0: Now, podcast where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malcanji. Putting your angels to work and uh, insane or amazing facts about angels. I'd like to start this broadcast out by reading 1 Corinthians chapter two and beginning with verse six. This is what the Bible says. However, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the the wisdom of God in a mystery. So everything in the Bible is packaged in mysteries. That's why preaching is necessary preaching is the unraveling of divine mysteries found in the word of god job chapter 33 says if there be an interpreter a me uh, an interpreter one among a thousand who could show man his uprightness then god would be gracious to him so The mysteries of the scripture, as people preach it, under the anointing and unction of the Holy Ghost, they act as anointed interpreters to open up people's understanding to the things found in the word of God. And remember, I've said this so many times on this broadcast, it is because of a lack of knowledge people are cut off from God's best. It's because of ignorance. They're alienated from the life of God. It's not because God's withholding something. Remember, God doesn't withhold everything anything that is good from those that walk uprightly. So God's not withholding anything from you today. It's the devil that gets you deceived into thinking that God is somehow in partnership or in league with the devil, that they're both trying to make life hard for you when in reality, if you read the Bible, John ten ten makes it very simple. It's the devil that comes to steal. It's the devil that comes to kill. It's the devil that comes to destroy. He has a three-fold program for you and there's nothing good in it. But it's Jesus that came to give life and life more abundantly. God did not send Jesus to give you a glimpse of goodness, but then withhold the fullness of his goodness until the very end. No, if God did not spare his only son, but delivered him up for us all, will he not freely give us everything else to richly enjoy? That's found in Romans chapter eight and verse 32. God's not against you today. God is for you. It's the devil that is the opposition. He's the adversary. And he tries to keep men and blinded from the mystery of the scripture. Remember, Jesus told the people, and he talked to the people in parables, and many of them, They scratched their heads and walked away, thought he was a lunatic. The disciples came to him privately and said, Can you please explain these parables to us? Jesus replied by saying, To those who are outside, to those that are just curious seekers, but they really have no desire to live for God, to those that are on the outside, all things will be delivered to them in parables, so that seeing they will see, but never really understand or perceive, so that they should turn and be healed. But unto you, he turned to the disciples, He turned to the people that were seeking God's will. He turned to the people that had literally, Peter said, we have left all to follow you. They were sold out for the gospel. They were sold out for the kingdom. And Jesus told them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. So if you're sold out, that's why Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a man who found a treasure and he went and buried it in a field and he sold everything he had to buy that field and." and and uncover that treasure. So th- the Bible says that the mysteries of the kingdom, the treasures of the kingdom are for those that are sold out, to those that have put their hand to the plow and aren't looking in another direction. And we're going to find out that specifically the mystery of the um of of the angelic uh, resources that are at the disposal of the redeemed are specifically reserved for those that are sold out you look at any time there was an angelic manifestation in the entirety of scriptures it wasn't for people sitting on their couch watching netflix angelic assistance was not given a uh, manifestation of angels was not given to people who just wanted a show angels are not for entertainment angels are for our assistance and so you see throughout the entirety of the scriptures, when the angel manifested, it was because there was somebody on the go for God who had either hit a gridlock, had hit a wall, had hit opposition, and the angel came as reinforcement to allow that person to break through and get to the other side. So if you're if you're going to watch today and, and think like God's using angels as like a display of entertainment, that God just sends angels to scratch our ears or something like that, or to do ultimately useless things, that That's not why God dispatches angels towards humanity. Angels always come on commission. Angels always have a mandate. All angels always carry a mission. They are not sent to just entertain us. They're not sent to give us some like... This 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 awe of the spiritual realm, the supernatural realm. They're not sent to even prove there is a supernatural realm. They are sent specifically on mission, on commission to fulfill God's task and purposes on the earth. And so that mystery, the mystery of what of, of the angelic uh re- resources at our disposal is unveiled when you study the scripture the bible says we speak the wisdom of god in a mystery but listen to this i'm gonna skip to verse 10 actually verse 9 but as it is written i has not uh i has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered the heart of man the things which god has prepared for those who love him But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, nobody knows the things of God. Nobody has access to the knowledge of the spiritual realm except the spirit of god now we have not received the spirit of the world but we have received the spirit who is from god that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by god and one of those things that have been freely given to us by god is the supernatural ministry of angels i want to read a second scripture before i dive into it. and we have a lot of information to cover today so i'm not going to waste any time but this this you can't get into the study of angels without Reading this specific scripture, Psalm 34. Listen to this. David's saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. If you're just tuning in now, you'd do a great help if you would share this broadcast and uh, get this word out to as many people as possible. I will bless the Lord at all times, Psalm 34 1. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his holy name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that powerful? I was reading that just yesterday and it struck such a chord in my spirit. God doesn't want to just set you free from certain fears today. God doesn't want to just set you free from most fears today. The Bible says when you seek the Lord and he hears you, he delivers you from all of your fears. God doesn't want you walking through life with the fear of sickness, the fear of disease, the fear of viruses, the fear of Premature death, the fear of poverty, the fear of of depression, or the fear of anxiety, or the fear of whatever has gone through your genetical tree. God, when the Bible says you have been redeemed, He didn't just redeem you in position, but you still have to deal with everything that you had to deal with before you got set free or before you got redeemed. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free is totally free indeed. And I prophesy in the name of Jesus, even as we discuss the ministry of angels, as you discover that you're never alone. Not only does the Holy Ghost live in you, which if that was all it was, it's more than enough, not only does the hand of God come upon you, but you have an innumerable amount of angels that are round about you. I think far too many times, there's a too much of a focus on demons. I'm not talking about totally stopping to talk about, de- like we just stop talking about demons and ignore their existence. No, I speak on demons. We have many broadcasts that deal with our dominion over demons and deliverance and casting out demons i'm not saying we should ignore it but i believe that oftentimes there can be an overemphasis on the ministry of demons and an underemphasis on the ministry of angels because although one third of the angels did fall and many of them are demons and on on the earth right now to and fro seeking to harm seeking to devour anybody that they can the bible does say that two thirds of the angels are still in heaven and are still for us so, yes, there is one-third of the demon, one third of the angels that fell and now act as demons against your destiny. But remember and never forget, there are far more that are for you than are against you. There's still two-thirds of the innumerable that are standing behind you, all around you, encompassed around you, ready to be dispatched to fight your battles today and bring you the victory that that, that you're owed by reason of Calvary. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. I pray that as you come on the realization, the revelation that the angel of the Lord encompasses around about you and is around you constantly, that you literally have guardian angels constantly around you, constantly surrounding you, that every fear, every lack of confidence, every single demonic fear that has crippled your heart, that you don't even want to get out of bed sometimes because you're afraid of X, Y, and Z, because the devil has deceived you into thinking that you're pretty much just pray for him to jump and pounce on and devour at will today. I pray as your eyes are open to the reality of you being surrounded by angels, that you're going to walk with a strut. You're going to walk with a new sense of dignity. You're going to walk with a new level of confidence. You know, the Bible says that um, in, in the book of Proverbs, that a king whose troops are not with him has no confidence. But a king who has troops with him has much confidence. Do you understand that the troops that we have, we've been made kings and priests unto our God and Savior by reason of redemption. Roman uh, Revelations chapter 5 and verse 12 deals with that. We have been made kings and priests unto our God and Savior. You are a royal priesthood. You are God's holy nation. You are a chosen possession. You are a special vessel of his on the earth called forth to proclaim the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into a marvelous light but the good news is is that angels are the troops that god has made available to us so that when we walk we don't have to walk with discouragement we don't have to walk around as if like you know our lives have just crumbled apart, you know, there's so many Christians that you can tell they're totally blind to what's around them, you can tell they're like the servant of Elisha who came out, saw the army against them in 2nd Kings chapter 6, and then came to Elisha and said, um, alas, master, what shall we do? We're dead, man, I told you to stop using that word of knowledge to divulge the king's secrets, now he sent an army, a garrison of troops to kill us, what are we going to do now? You know what Elisha said? Father, I pray, would you open up this, man's eyes so he can see what i'm seeing and when he did that the man looked and the bible says round about not around about the 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 servant round about elisha round about elisha you see that's why we have to talk about the mystery of angels because what you don't see from the scriptures you're never going to partake of you're never going to in you're never going to benefit from that thing what you don't see is available or made available to you from the scriptures you're you eliminate yourself you disqualify yourself from benefiting from that specific resource, and so Elisha understood. He knew he didn't have to see it. He just knew that there are angels around me, and God then opened up his servant's eyes to see that there were chariots of fire round about Elisha. Oh, hallelujah. That's why today, as your eyes are open to the reality of the supernatural realm and angels round about you, you're going to carry the same confidence Elisha had. No matter what you're facing, no matter what's opposing you, no matter what has come against you, nothing can match the strength of the host of heaven that backs you. And today, in the name of Jesus Christ, you're going to see the beginning of the supernatural turnaround that you've been praying for, that you've been seeking for, that you've been asking for. God works oftentimes by his angels. And that ministry of angels is going to be made evident to you. Psalm 34, let me just get to it. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those that fear him and delivers them out of all their trouble. So it doesn't matter what trouble you're facing today. The angels of the Lord encamp around you and deliver you from all your trouble. All your trouble. Not some of your trouble. You have to understand this. God, get this in your spirit. God is thoroughly concerned with everything that pertains to you. Everything that worries you is something that God is, is concerned about. Not concerning that he's worrying about it, but he cares about it. He, he's not some distant, unengaged God who just sees us as servants and just sees us as pawns in his chess game against the devil. You're not some number to God. You might have an employee number at your work, but heaven doesn't have numbers. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter 2, "...the Lord knows those who are His." And let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. God knows those who belong to him. He doesn't know your number. He knows your your name. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, I am the Lord your God who called you. I am the Lord who formed you and redeemed you. I have called you out by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, you will not drown. When you walk through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And though you go through the fire, you're never going to be burned. You're not some disposable garbage in God's eyes. You're his very own child. I feel the anointing on that. You are God's very own child. You mean everything to him. You know how we know that? He didn't even stop at sending his own son. He delivered him up for his all. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If th- That shows you, you know, when you go to a store, you go to a, 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 a store and you buy something, And then you you go home and you try it on and it doesn't fit you and you want to return it. If you don't have the receipt, they're going to give you at the store whatever the product is. Uh, valued at right now. So if it's on sale, you're getting the sale price. If it's if it diminished in value, you're getting the diminished value of it. Even though you paid $100 for it, you're going to get $50 for it because you don't have the receipt. Well, the word of God is our receipt that shows us how much God values us and how much God paid for us so that when we look at it, we see our value to God. The Bible says that God, God didn't stop at giving his whole world to redeem us. And so that should show you the bible says what great love the father has bestowed on us that we are not slaves of god we are servant. we are sons of god the bible says as many as believed on him to them gave he power to become children of god yes we are slaves of christ in reference to the mission that we have yes we are chained to the gospel yes we are slaves of righteousness because of our will to please god but ultimately my first position in redemption is son of god i am a. An adopted. The Bible says he didn't give us the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, anytime you fear God, you know the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Fear involves torment. Anytime you fear God's torment, anytime you fear God's judgment, anytime you fear God's punishment, you're not walking. You don't have an understanding of the love of God. I'm not saying you're walking in sin and and you, you shouldn't fear God's punishment. No, you should. The wages of sin is still death. I'm talking about you're living holy. You're living in check. You're living in your life fully pleasing the Lord and your desire is to make him happy and to spend and be spent for his mission, for his kingdom, if you act like that, you shouldn't have the fear of punishment, the fear of torment. Could you imagine if my son just never wanted to be around me because he was afraid I was going to hit him, that I was so unpredictable that at any time i just like wind up and knock him over the head, he would, he would be as far away from me as possible and then the moment he turned 18 or whatever, he had enough money to move out, he'd move out. Well, that's how a lot of people are with God. They have this idea that he's out to slap him around and make life difficult for them until they, they die and come to heaven, and he'll only love you in heaven. No, remember, Jesus said, my prayer is that heaven comes to earth. Jesus didn't die just so that one day you can make heaven. Jesus died so that you can experience days of heaven on the earth in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray every chain of deception, every lying devil, every... Thought of fear that you've had towards God, that He's somehow some hard, austere man that's a difficult person to get along with, that he's ultimately not out for your good. Every lie the devil sowed that has reference to that into your mind. In the name of Jesus Christ, those chains, those mental strongholds are demolished and destroyed now. From today, you will read this book and see that every good and perfect gift comes from above. The Father of lights, in whom there's no shifting shadow nor variant of change. God was good, God is good, and God will ever be good. He's never changed. I am the Lord God, and I change not. The same way He was ready and willing to deliver His people Israel. The same way He was ready and willing to deliver the people in Jesus' day. The same way He did it in the book of Acts. He's ready and willing, even by the ministry of angels as he did for Peter in Acts 12 when he delivered him out of prison. You might find yourself in the prison cell of depression today, the prison cell of anxiety, the prison cell of sickness. The angels of the Lord are on, on, uh, uh, they're working for you right now. I pray every prison cell is being open right now. Any demon standing in your way, standing in the way from victory, standing in the way from health, standing in the way of your, your, your covenant prosperity, any demon standing in your way to the all-around rest that God said those that are in covenant with me get to enjoy they're being cleared out by the angels of God and you are walking into the glorious liberty of the sons of God whether the devil likes it or not you're walking free in Jesus name if you believe that I want you to write out in the comment section amen amen put up some hand emojis it's a bad day for the devil and a good day for the children of God hallelujah put in your angels to work because of the circulation of misinformation about the supernatural, a lot of preachers stay away from this. Because they're afraid that if we get into this, it's like a taboo area, people are going to get freaked out, people are going to get into like weird doctrine, and there are a lot who have gotten into weird doctrine, but remember God didn't reveal anything in this Bible. Just for information, there's instruction and there's revelation. Everything that was written down was written down with a purpose. God did not put anything down in this Bible just like that, just to waste time, just to give us reading material. Everything has a purpose. Jesus said every idle word will be brought to judgment. Well, if he's giving us the advice that we shouldn't speak idly, then obviously everything in this book wasn't idle words. It wasn't wasn't just God babbling off. It's not like God is like some lady on The View that just likes to talk and open their mouth and never shut up. God's not like that. God, every time he says something, he means it, and everything he means, he says. He makes it very clear. So when you see in the Bible, there's over, I think I counted 276, I might be wrong, but let's say around 300, 250 to 300 mentions of angels throughout the entirety of the scriptures in the old testament you see 108 times that angels are mentioned in the new testament you have it even more 165 mentions of angels in the in the entirety of the new testament Six times in the book of Acts, 65 times in the book of Revelation, which the book of Revelation deals with what? Deals with the end times, deals with the doctrine of of the eschatological doctrine, the doctrine of the last days. And that's where we're at. We are currently in the last days. And so if we see 65 times in that book, almost more mentions in the book of Revelation of angels than the entirety of the Old Testament. So if we're seeing that much mentions of angels in the just the book that deals with the end-time events, the end-time drama, then we can know that angelic activity is only increasing. It's only going to be greater as we see the day of the Lord approaching. God would never have revealed the reality of angels without showing the in, their integral purpose in the fulfillment of His plan, their usefulness. The reality of angels is revealed for us to know the purpose of of angels. Angels are spiritual personalities, but they have physical impact. Angels might be invisible. You might not be able to see them uh, at all times with the human eye. Although I will get into it through the discerning of spirits, the gift of the spirit, discerning of spirits is that gift the Holy Spirit gives a man or a woman to discern the spiritual realm. It's when the Lord literally lifts up the veil, blocking the natural from the spiritual and we get a glimpse of that that's anytime you see an angel uh mentioned in the old testament joshua seen an angel gideon seen an angel uh you see abraham seen an angel anytime a lot seen angels anytime you see the the ministry of angels revealed to men that was the gift of the discerning of spirits. And so the discerning of spirits is not just to discern demon spirits, it's not just to discern the Holy Spirit, but also to discern angelic spirits. Jesus taught on the existence of angels. If Jesus taught on the existence of angels, you see it in Matthew chapter 13, he talks about how they're harvesters. Matthew chapter 26, he said, don't you think I can now pray my father and he'll dispose me. He will, dis- he will make a veil to me, more than twelve legions of angels. Jesus said that uh, don't let the the children uh, don't block the children from coming to me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. For their father, uh, their sorry for their angels, their angels, referring to the children, the angels that. Are guarding those children, always see the face of my father which is in heaven. So Jesus spoke of the reality of angels. What are angels? Angels are not mythical figures. Angels are not legendary, mythological Zeus type figures. Angels are not ideas of man. They're not a representation of good. Angels are not Some man-made invention. Angels are created beings. They are created beings. God created these beings that don't have a physical body, but they do carry a spiritual body. Psalm 148. Psalm 148. So I'm going to teach and I'm going to preach in today's broadcast. Psalm 148. And verse 2. Listen to this. Praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. What is he talking about? He commanded what? He commanded the angels to come, to be, and they were created. God created angels. When? We don't know. Sometime before man, because when Adam and Eve sinned, remember, the very first time you ever see an angel mentioned in the entirety of the Bible is in Genesis 3, when God sets the cherubim at the, the, the front of the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword of fire going in every direction to guard access back into the Garden of Eden, lest man should eat of the fruit of the, the, the tree of life. Because if man, you know, that's why people don't understand, why did God not let Adam eat from the tree of life? They would have lived forever, it's problem solved. No, they would have lived forever in an eternal state of sin. And in their fallen state. And that, that didn't please God. And neither should it please you. That's why he had to block access back into the Garden of Eden. Lest they should eat of the tree of life. And live forever in that fallen state. So what did he do? He installed a cherubim angel. That was there. With a flaming sword of fire. To guard access back in to the Garden of Eden. Angels define. They are. I mean, let me read this actually. Because this is also. This is in the New Testament. But this is a. Uh, uh, an essential angel scripture in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 7. And of the angels, actually let's start verse 6. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. So the primary purpose of angels is to worship God. Verse 7. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. So angels are spirit beings and as you can see in the da- in uh, the days of Elisha in 1 Kings 6, uh, 2 Kings 6 as I mentioned before that there were chariots of fire parked all around Elisha so they're they're ministering spirits they're helping spirits they're spirits sent to help and assist mankind in the fulfillment of God's plan for their life and they are flames of fire meaning Somehow their visual appearance carries some level of fire, some level of flames. We don't know. I've never seen an angel. I've never, I've never witnessed an angel myself, but the Bible describes them as being flames of fire angel means messenger. The actual Greek word angelos means a messenger. One who carries a message. There's a lot of people that want to see angels. They say, Father, just open my eyes to see angels. But like they're not willing to actually work for God. They're not willing to do anything for God. They just want to get into the phenomenon of angels. The phenomenon of angels. It doesn't work that way. Anytime an angel appeared to a man or a woman, in the entirety of the Bible, they all Always carried a message. They always came bearing a a, 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 a a the delivery of a message, a transmission from heaven. They did not come empty-handed. They didn't come to say what's up to Zechariah. They didn't come to say what's up to Mary. Gabriel didn't show up to Daniel and say, Hey, I thought you were lonely. Every time an angel came, it was was to deliver a specific message. They are heavenly messengers delivering messages to men and women. So first, before I move on to what angels do and how they're going to help you, I want to go through certain characteristics of angels. Characteristics of angels. Number one, angels are immortal. Angels are immortal. They're not eternal. There's a difference between being eternal and being immortal. When somebody is eternal, they've lived forever. The only eternal person there ever has been is the Divine Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's the only eternal uh, beings in in the entirety of history. He's the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. To be eternal, there was no beginning. Immortal signifies you'll never have an end. Angels are immortal. They will never have an end. Luke chapter 20 and verse 36. Listen to this. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore. For they are equal to the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. Nor can they die anymore. Jesus made it very clear. Angels do not die. They never get sick. They never get ill. They never fall weak. they never uh, You'll never read an obituary in the f- local newspaper of an angel that fell from heaven and died. They don't die. They're immortal beings. Number two, angels are of a high order. Every company has a hierarchy. You have the CEO, you have executives, you have managers, you have local managers. You know, there's a hierarchy to every every single company. In heaven's company, the Bible calls, of the, calls it the innumerable company of angels. In heaven's angelic company, there also is a hierarchy. And I'm going to get into the different levels of angels and the different types of angels in, in the moments to come, but... Um, there are angels that outrank other angels. I have to make that very clear. Not all angels are on the same level. There are different levels of might. There are different levels of power that have been given to every single angel. Angels outrank man in terms of strength and in power. Psalm 8.5 says that um, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you visit him, yet you've made him a little lower than the angels and have crowned him with great glory, honor, and strength. So angels have a greater level of strength and power than man. physical i'm talking about when you get redeemed you actually outrank an angel because now greater is he that lives in you you've been connected to christ so in your unredeemed state you you're you're you're, you're less than an angel even in your redeemed strength you're in your redeemed state your physical strength is less than that of an angels however because of your the connection. Your connection to Christ via redemption and that greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. You now have a higher authority than angels. Although they might have more power, you have more authority. I'm not saying power. The Holy Ghost lives in you. You have the whole power of God in you. However, your physical strength, I can't go and lift a a massive rock boulder, whereas an angel can. Their physical strength is greater than that of a man's, a man or a woman. But their authority Uh, their delegated authority is not as high as men in our redemptive state. However, before redemption, they're greater in power, they're greater in authority, they're greater in all things. In our final state, exalted state, at the end of all things, the Bible says when we see Christ, we shall be like Christ, and we shall be exactly like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. The Bible says that we see through a glass dimly, but then we shall be known even as we are known. In our final eternal state, When we receive our glorified bodies, we will be higher in power, higher in authority, higher on every single level than every angel. Number two, angels are of a high order. Number three, angels are intelligent. Angels are not stupid. Angels carry a high level of IQ. We have human IQs. They have angelic IQs, even the, the dumbest angel in heaven is smarter than the smartest man on earth. 2 Samuel fourteen twenty. the Bible says that someone was uh, attributing to David, saying he has the wisdom according to the wisdom of an angel of God to know all things that are in the earth. So the wisdom of an angel of God, the Bible says, contains the knowledge of all things that are on the earth. So angels pretty much know, they're not omniscient. Let me make a distinction. Jesus, uh, God, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity is the only uh, only ones that have omniscience. They are the ones that carry all knowledge of the future, the past, the present, of every single fact that governs the universe. But angels have a high level of that knowledge. They have a lot of access into the deep mysteries of God because many of them have seen the face of God. The Bible says, they have knowledge of all things that are in the earth. So remember, the angels dominate the spiritual realm. They're in the heavenlies. But they also communicate with each other. They know what's going on. They know what's going on behind closed quarters. They know what's going on behind government walls. They know what's going on in the White House. They know what's going on in the outhouse. They know what's going on in your shower. They know what's going on in your car. They know a lot more than what man knows. Angels are not omniscient. There are certain things that have been kept from them. They don't know the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't know when He's coming back. They don't know when He's gonna return. They know they'll be with Him because He said, I'm gonna come back with my, the glory of my Father and with my holy angels, but they don't know the date of His coming. They're also trying to figure out. This is interesting, this is one of my favorite things that I've read and studying on angels and it's in um, the book of 1st or 2nd Peter, it says that angels are actually trying to look into redemption. They're actually confused with God's heart behind redemption. They don't necess- they can't comprehend why God has chosen to redeem mankind. They're like kind of lost in that. They know he's done it They know about the resurrection, they know the plan, they've conceived the plan, but the Bible says that they're also trying to figure out or understand God's plan of redemption for mankind. The Bible says that these are things that angels are still desiring to look into. They're still trying to figure it out. Because remember when the one-third fell with Lucifer, God didn't set in motion a plan to redeem the angels. Then when two people fall in the Garden of Eden, God immediately, before the foundations of the earth had a plan to re- before Adam's sin, God had a plan to redeem man. That wasn't the case for the angels. God has a higher level for man than he, a higher level of love for man than he does for the angels and it confuses them. Number four, angels are holy. they dwell in God's presence. Every time you see an angel mentioned in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, they don't have black gowns. they're not clothed with like red garments. They have white robes, white glistening robes. That is a representation of their sanctity and their holiness and their separation unto God. They dwell in God's presence, who is thrice holy. Remember, the, the seraphim in Isaiah 6 are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. They behold the holiness of God. And that holiness, remember when Moses spent 40 days in God's presence and he came out, his face was shining like, uh, with like a a glistening brightness? Well, that was just 40 days. Many of the angels spend constantly time in the presence of God. And so they're glistening with, they have like a residue of his holiness on them. Angels are holiness. Mark 8.38, Jesus called them. He said, I'm coming back with the presence of my holy angels. Calls them holy angels. They're set apart. They're sanctified. They have white glistening clothing, which represents their uncompromising purity. They are uncompromisingly pure. There's a one-third that fell. They fell. They're gone. They they don't have white garments any longer. But the the two-thirds that stayed and stuck with it with God, they they carry an an uncompromising holiness and purity. Number five, angels are innumerable. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22. The Bible says that we have come to Mount Zion to an innumerable company of angels. So angels are innumerable. You can't count them. You can try to count sheep and and, and fall asleep, but if you start counting angels, you, you ain't gonna ever fall asleep. Angels outnumber the stars in heaven. Angels outnumber... Uh, there's no number given to them. There's always 10,000s and thousands and thousands every time or a multitude of angels. The Bible says in Luke 1, when the shepherds saw the one angel deliver the message that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, then he ascended and a multitude of angels covered the sky, literally filled the sky. So imagine having so many beings that you can fill the entirety of the seen sky wherever you're at. That's a lot. So we don't know how many there are, but there are a lot. You can never count their number. In referring to God's angelic army, the Bible says in Job 25 and verse 3, Is there any number of his armies? Are there any numbers of his armies? Meaning, can you bring a number? Can you associate a number? Luke 2, 13 and 14, There was with the angel a great multitude of heavenly hosts that covered the sky. Number 5, Angels are innumerable. Number six, angels are supernaturally strong. This is, this is a great one. 2 Thessalonians 1.7 says, When the Lord will be revealed with His mighty ones. Bible co- talks about them being the mighty ones of heaven. The Bible talks about all the time, whenever God had something to do on the earth, it says that the Lord of hosts will perform it meaning the God of heaven's armies. He'll use, he'll dispatch his mighty ones to perform anything his mouth commands. God's angels, Psalm 103. Let me read this. Psalm 103. 103 and verse, let's do verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels... Who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So bless the Lord, you as angels, who what? Excel in strength, who do his word. Angels are committed to obeying and keeping God's commandments. That's their primary task. Heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Angels have supernatural strength. Just like demons have supernatural strength. Remember in Acts chapter 16, or Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Sceva? The Bible says, tried to cast out a demon out of a man, and the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, beat them up, prevailed against them, and they all left the house bruised, wounded, and naked. He had supernatural strength to beat up seven other guys. They tried to hold him down. Not only could they not hold him down, his strength prevailed against them, and they had a bad day that day. Mark 5, the Gadarene demoniac, the demon spirits that were in them, the legion of demons... They couldn't tame him, not with shackle or with chain. He would often pull the chains apart. I mean, we're talking about iron, steel chains. And he would just like this, pull them apart. They carried supernatural strength because of the presence of demons. Well, demons are not greater in strength than angels, and we see that because in Revelation 12, a war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, which is the devil, and his angels, and they couldn't prevail against them. So demons are not stronger. They cannot prevail against angels. Angels are stronger in might. They have a higher level of power resident within them, and they have more authority. And remember, it's just going to take one angel to get the devil bind him and cast him into the abyss forever and forever so if Demons have strength, supernatural, to do those things. How much more does an angel have? Revelation chapter 18 and verse 1, listen to what the Bible says. And after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great power and authority. And the earth was illuminated with his glory. Imagine that. Just Not the Son of God. This is just like an angel. And it's not even an angel worth naming. It's not even like Michael or Gabriel. Just some nameless angel that came down Having great power and authority, and that power was so strong it illuminated the entire earth. And that's a nameless angel, let alone the archangels that are named. So, number six, angels are supernaturally strong. Number seven, angels are invisible to the human eye, they're spirits that have no corporality. You cannot see them other than through the discerning of spirits. They are in invisible. Now understand this. They might be invisible, but they're not ineffective. Their effect is very much felt. They might be invisible, but they're not ineffective. Remember, when Balaam was on his donkey, and the donkey wouldn't go, and he finally hit the donkey, and was going to kill it. What happened? The donkey spoke to him, saying, There's an angel ahead of you that had a sword drawn from its sheath. And he was preventing me from going there. So though they're invisible, Balaam couldn't see it. The donkey saw it and rebuked the madness of the prophet and realized and and recognized the effect of the angel being there. Angels number eight, do not marry. Angels, the Bible says in Matthew twenty two thirty that you'll be like the angels of heaven that neither marry nor are given in marriage. Perhaps angels don't marry so that they can continue on with their undiv- uh, unhindered devotion to God. First Corinthians 7, Paul advises Christians that if you want to have unhindered devotion to God, it's better that you don't marry, but if you can't control yourself, then get married. Perhaps the the law in heaven of angels that they're not able to get married Uh, is given to the fact that they were created for unhindered devotion to God. No distractions. They have a single-minded purpose. They are given entirely to their task. Number nine, angels are joyful. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God when only one sinner repents. There are constantly people being saved all across the world. The Bible says he adds to the church daily such as are being saved. Right now, there's people being saved... Uh, as we speak, in Australia, in Cambodia, in Africa, there's services, there is at least one service going on right now on this earth and there are people getting saved. There's somebody sharing Jesus. Jesus said that in when one servant, when one uh, sinner gets saved, when one unredeemed person gets saved and converted, just that one salvation waters heaven with joy. And so we know that that's always happening. God is always at work. Whether you see it or not, People are being saved. People are being baptized in the Holy Ghost. God is healing people. God is doing miracles. And when that happens, the Bible says there's joy in the presence of the holy angels in heaven. That's why it's amazing. When you go out and make soul winning your number one priority, it's impossible to be depressed. It's impossible to get into a state of hopelessness. If you will dedicate yourself to being a soul winner, I'm telling you, there's no amount of depression. There's no amount of of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness that's on you, that soul winning won't break off your life. The reason being is Proverbs eleven twenty four says, whoever uh, waters another himself shall he be watered. He that waters another will himself be watered. When you win a soul to the Lord, you're watering heaven with joy and heaven holds no debt. Whatever you water heaven with, heaven's going to water you with. And so every time I've seen people come to the Lord, whether it's one or whether it's 150 in a service, I've always been showered with a high level of joy. Hard to be in a bad mood when heaven itself is... The source of your joy. That's why the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is not in meat and in drink. But it is in righteousness, it's in peace, and it's in joy in the Holy Ghost. I pray in the name of Jesus that an unrelenting zeal to win the loss at any cost will come on you. And as you engage in being all things to all men so that you might by any means win the sum... I pray in the name of Jesus, whatever spirit of heaviness has hooked itself up to your life, that stronghold gets broken, and the oil of gladness gets poured forth like David, anointing your head with fresh oil so that your cup runs over with joy unexplicable and full of glory. In the name of Jesus Christ. Those are nine things. Nine characteristics of angels. Now... Let's get into categories of angels. Categories of angels, I wanna, before I get into that, I have to make it clear. I said it at the beginning of the broadcast, I'm reiterating it again right now. Angels were not sent to be worshiped, they're not created to be worshiped, they are not to be worshiped. The Bible says in Colossians chapter three, I believe it is, that these men have intruded into vain things and the worship of angels and into things which, they, which they've actually not even seen. So it's wrong to worship angels. I didn't talk about how great angels are so that we can bow our knee to angels and say praise the... No, that's not what they're for. We just read it in Psalm 103 that the angels were created to praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, you His angels. Bless the Lord, you host of heaven. Bless the Lord, you ministers of His who do His word. So angels, before we go into anything else... Angels' primary focus, their primary purpose, even before helping and assisting mankind and being ministers of those who shall inherit salvation, their primary purpose is to worship God. Everything God created, man, beast, angels, everything God created, has the first and foremost primary function as worshiping God, to worship God, to attribute praise unto God. Angels are never to be worshipped. Let's get into categories and ranks of angels. Every military has ranks. Angels are the military force of heaven. You know, you have, you, have like, um, you have the general of an army, you have five star generals, you have four star, three star generals, you have corporals, you have lieutenants, you have sergeants, you have all kinds of ranks in an actual army, a, a, norm, a natural army. In heaven, it's the same thing. There are different ranks of angels. Even Jesus recognized the ranking of angels when he said that. Don't you think I cannot now pray my Father, and He'll presently, presently provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? That word "legion" is a military term, a Roman military term that referred to a a, a squadron of six thousand soldiers. So Jesus himself attributed a military term to the angels of heaven. Angels have ranks. How do they go? Number one, there's the heavenly host. This is the largest amount of, uh, uh, largest group of angels. These are what we can call the ordinary angels, but they're nowhere ordinary in comparison to men. They're ordinary in relation and in contrast to the other angels, but they are not ordinary in contrast with men. Every angel is extraordinary. Every angel Carries unique features and strengths. Every angel has a a supernatural power, supernatural wit. I said it before, even the dumbest angel has higher IQ than the wisest of men, even combined. So heavenly hosts are like the regular troops of heaven. These are like the the army of heaven. These are the guys that they might have the lowest ranking, but they, they they almost do the most amount of work. They're usually unidentified, never is a name given. There's actually only two names given to angels in the Bible. There's Gabriel and Michael, every other angel is is unidentified. Uh, and and a large part of them are, unaf- are the heavenly hosts. You see the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. It's talking about that God is the one who commands this large group of angelic hosts that are... Um, like we read in Psalm 103, that are sent forth to perform the counsel of His Word. Number two is the cherubim. The cherubim are top-ranked angels, in, and we see that because of the high privilege they have. When you study the Ark of the Covenant, you have the box that's designed, and then Moses was given instructions to design uh, two angels on each side that are called the cherubim, that have their wings that cover The mercy seat, which is where God's presence is. The two cherubim that have you can you can study it in Revelations, they have six wings. They have two wings that with it they cover their own faces, two wings, with it they fly, and two wings they cover their their body, they cover the, the bottom part of their body. So these cherub cover the mercy seat. And because they have such a high privilege of literally focusing in and zoning in on God, we can determine that they, they're they probably one of the highest ranked angels in the entirety of heaven. The first to appear in the Bible, Genesis 3.24, he placed east of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flame of sword, flaming sword, which turns every way to keep them from the the tree of life. The second appearance of cherubim was in Exodus 25. Moses is given detailed instructions on how to make and perform the articles for the tabernacle, ark of covenant, uh, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, like I just talked about. Number three is the seraphim. These are kind of like the cherubim, but they are different. Isaiah 6 talks about the seraphim that are flying around heaven day and night, night and day. And Revelation chapter 5, I believe, also has a, a, an unveiling of the seraphim. They also are flying around day and night, night and day, and they just sing. They're singing to God, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Seraphim literally means in Hebrew, the burning ones. Perhaps in reference to their unhindered devotion to the worship of God. They're burning with a fiery zeal for God. A fiery zeal, an un. An un uh, an unrelenting passion to praise God and worship God. They also have six wings covering face, covering their feet and two were for flying. Constantly referred to as, as, as uh, crying out, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of his glory. They're the ones that took the burning coal and put it on Isaiah's mouth and said, you're clean, no longer call yourself unclean. They declare God's holiness and they indicate to man their need to be cleansed from sin. Isaiah Saw in the year that the Lord was lifted, uh, that the uh, King Uzziah died. He saw the Lord lifted up, high and exalted in his temple, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And the Scripture says that he saw the the seraphim singing, holy, holy, holy. And then the very next thing that he felt in himself when they heard him, when he heard them sing that song, was that he was an unclean man who dwells among a land of unclean people. And then the seraphim came and and touched his lips with the coal of the altar. So that indicates two things. They announce the holiness of God, and they also can indicate or show forth man's sinfulness. Number four, there's the living creatures. These are like the seraphim. They have six wings. Revelation 4a, constantly day and night, they are worshiping before God in his throne. And uh, Revelation 15 actually talks about their specific role, these Living creatures, their specific role in pouring out the vials of God's wrath in the tribulation period. They're going to be heavily involved in the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation, particularly in the last three and a half years. Number five, we have the archangels. Only one angel given this title in the Bible, and that's Michael. Sorry, there's only one angel given this title in the Bible. Yeah, and it's Michael, the archangel Michael. He's a chief angel. God's chief warrior. Michael means who is like God. Daniel 10 13, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. These are, these are like one of these are, I mean, I can't like, I, I don't know partic- particularly the actual classification of angels, but I would say an archangel is probably up there with the cherub. There's no like Bible reference where you can actually go in and and, and say, here's number one, number two, here's... There is none, nothing like that. But given the roles in the Bible, you can see that there is a hierarchy. And Michael and the archangels have a, a high level of, of authority in heaven and on earth. Michael fought for the free passage of God's word in Daniel's day. Remember, Gabriel came to give a, a message to Daniel and he was hindered for 21 days. And it was when Michael came in that he cleared the passage and fought off the principalities, withholding the answer. And then Gabriel got to to Michael. Their role is always for fighting. Michael was always a fighter. He's always mentioned in reference to spiritual warfare. He was contending with the devil over the body of Moses. Jude chapter, uh, Jude verse nine says that. And he said, the Lord rebukes you. In Revelation 12, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the demon, uh, the dragon and his angels. So he's always fighting. And uh, always at war, he is a warry, warrior angel. He's like the general of heaven's armies. Number six, we have Gabriel. Gabriel is um, the only other angel mentioned in the Bible. He is a messenger angel. Every time Gabriel's mentioned, he's always delivering a message. Daniel's day delivering a message. In Luke chapter one, he's delivering a message to Zacharias. In Luke chapter two, I believe it is, he's delivering a message or maybe it's chapter one as well. He's delivering a message to Mary. Uh, about the, the birth of Jesus and about his, um, what his name is to be and how the conception is going to take place. Gabriel literally means mighty one of God. He's not associated with fighting. Like I said, he's always bringing or delivering a message. He's like God's personal like, uh, messenger. He's God's FedEx system, God's UPS system. And you think of how high of a privilege and task he had. He had the task of delivering the, uh, and announcing the coming of the forerunner of Christ to Zechariah, saying he's going to be the one who shall be the prophet of the Most High. Go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah, and he'll be the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make way the straight ways of the Lord. So he announced the, the forerunner of Christ, and then he announced to Mary the actual Christ. Think of it, out of all the angels in heaven, God chose Gabriel to bring that amazing declaration, that announcement to Mary saying, the Messiah has come. Been waiting thousands of years for this. Gabriel, I'm choosing you to go and deliver the message. That's that's pretty intense. I can imagine how excited he was. Number seven, there's Lucifer. Lucifer was, was an angel, a high level of angel. Isaiah 14, you can read of his demise, of his fall. But he was, the Bible calls an anointed cherub that was in the presence of God, dwelt on the mountain of God, and had, was clothed with every type of ruby and dyed them, And because pride was found in his heart. See, people think that angels are just robotic. They're not. They have free will. So Lucifer chose to rebel against God. Iniquity and pride was found in his heart. He didn't do anything about it. He acted on it, and he so began his downfall. Angels have free will. Everything God creates has free will. Lucifer is currently operating on the earth. He's part of the fallen angels, but he's operating on the earth. Job 1.7, God said, where do you come from, Lucifer? Or where do you come from, Satan? And he said, I've come from roaming the earth, going to and fro throughout the entire earth. 1 Peter 5.7. And 8 says that the, the devourer, the adversary, goes about uh, to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He's literally just roaming the earth, looking for somebody to strike, someone to strike down. He has many other names revealed in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Uh, Many names attributed to Lucifer that reveal not only his nature but his, his MO, how he operates. Remember, names reveal operations. Every name of God reveals how he operates and what his nature is. Every name attributed to the devil reveals what his nature is and how he operates. He's called Satan, the adversary, he's called the devil, the opposer, he's called the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's called the liar and the father of lies, the only original thing the devil has ever done, he mimics God in everything, but the only original thing that the devil's all ever done, the only thing that Jesus himself said he's the father of that, he's the originator of it, and that's lies. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the evil one. John 17, 15. He's the old serpent. He is the dragon. He is the destroyer. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the deceiver and he's the tempter. Those are all names attributed to this, this fallen angel called Lucifer. And then finally, there's the holy ones or the watchers. These are a minor category of angels mentioned in Daniel 4, 13, verse 17, and verse 23 that says they were watchers and holy ones that came down from heaven. And they they were charged with the removal of evil kings and wicked rulers, which I'm going to get into right now as we discuss what angels do. We're already at one hour, but I'm going to go as quickly as I can. Man, we're not going to be able to get through all this. But I have eight things that angels do. Eight amazing tasks angels have. Number one, angels worship God. Remember, in every job, in every company, there's job descriptions. Nobody just hires you to just roam. When an employer hires you, it's with a specific job and a specific description tied onto that job. When God created angels... He listed out their job description. And so these next eight things that I'm gonna do are listed out in the angel's job description, what their task, their responsibility is in carrying out. Number one, they're responsible in wor- worshiping God. I already talked about that at length. As with all God's created beings, they're tasked primarily to worship God. Number two, they have the ministry of giving direction to people. Genesis 24, 7, Abraham was sending out his servant to go and fetch a bride for Isaac. His servant kind of like was worried. What if I don't bring back the right girl? Abraham replied saying, go for God is going to send his angel before you to do what? He's going to send his angel before you to make the way clear and guide you and direct you to the exact woman that you're to pick for my son as his bride. And that's exactly what happened. The angel of God directed him exactly to Rebekah and Re- the way we know that is because she like without objection came and married and married Isaac. It went fluidly. It was it, it was a smooth transition. Judges 6:12, the angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon and showed him exactly how to defeat the Midianites, exactly the plan of action to take Acts 8:26, the angel of the Lord directed Philip Um, to, to to the street, down to Gaza, and directed him specifically towards the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch where he was to lead to Christ. So the angel literally directed Philip to a lost soul to win him to Christ. Acts chapter 10 verse 3 to 5, Cornelius receives instructions from heaven by an angel. As he's praying and fasting, an angel appears to him and says, go to the city of Joppa and fetch for a man called Peter and he'll tell you by uh, by what means you and your household shall be saved. So the angel literally orchestrated the salvation of Cornelius's household by giving him instructions to carry out. So he gave him direction. Acts chapter 12, Peter gets delivered from prison and the angel directs Peter exactly to Mary's house, delivered him past the first and second guard posts and then lifted up the door, the gate that led to the city, it lifted it up of its own accord. So the Bible not only says God's angels will direct you, but whatever opposition and anything that would hinder you or get in your way, the angels of God are charged to clear out any obstacle that would stand between you and where God wants you to be. Angels deliver direction. Number three, angels are assigned to protect you. This is powerful. Angels are assigned. To bring you supernatural protection. Psalm 91. Everybody loves Psalm 91. Let's read it again. Psalm 91, verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Why? For he, Psalm 91, 11. This man, if there was a time to share this broadcast, it's right now. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you to guard you to protect you to cover you in all your ways in all your ways financially spiritually solically, physically emotionally in all your ways in their hands they have a commission to bear you up lest you ever even dash your foot against a stone so the bible says angels are on assignment to lift you up. To prevent you from ever slipping up in the snares that the enemy has laid out for you. Acts chapter 27. Paul is, is, on, is shipwrecked. And the Bible says that ship was going down. And after several weeks when all hope had finally been given up. And they were, they were like resolute. They had, already, um, they had already given themselves up. They, they surrendered to death. The Bible says Paul had a, a dream and an angel of God came to him saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. There will be no loss of life, only of the ship. And the scripture says that he told Paul to be of good cheer for they were going to be delivered. I believe that that same angel that gave the message that they were going to be delivered also navigated and guided that ship because it wasn't far, too far along after that the ship ended up hitting land. I believe that angel that told them, don't be afraid, you're not going to die, also guided that ship to to land so that they can be led to safety and led to freedom. And that's exactly what happened. Daniel 6, you look at, I mean, this is a, a, a very practical explanation of heaven's assigned angels for our protection. Or illustration, rather. Bible says, Daniel takes a stand. They tell him not to pray. For only 30 days, don't pray. He refuses. Not only does he refuse, he opens up his windows and prays three times that day and louder than ever before to like show it to the devil. I'm not backing down. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and take a lot more than that to get me to back down. And even when faced with death, Daniel said, I'm never going to stop praying to the God of heaven. What happened to him? Thrown into a lion's den. Daniel chapter six says, That the next day, King Darius came and says, Daniel, has your God whom you serve been able to deliver you? And Daniel replied, My God has sent his angel because I trusted in him. Because he had unwavering faith in God in a time of emergency, in a time of extreme crisis when he was faced with death, because he took a stand for God, God had angels take a stand for him. And the mouths of lions were shut and he was delivered and protected for an entire night from the threat of ravenous lions. And we know, you know, people say, well, maybe the lions weren't that hungry. We know they were hungry because when Darius executed judgment against Daniel's adversary the ones that had given Daniel up, the ones that literally ensnared Daniel with their plot to destroy him. The Bible says they actually didn't even hit the ground. The lions jumped up and devoured them before they could even hit the ground. They had died. Hallelujah. Angels are assigned to keep you safe. I could tell you stories. There was one time my wife and I were in a car. We were driving and uh, I don't know. I got distracted. I don't know what it was. I wasn't on my phone or anything, but I got distracted. And I was merging in on a highway, and I, d- I always check my blind spots and everything. This time, I don't know what happened. I just, I don't know if it was like early in the morning or something. I just figured nobody was on the world. There was an 18-wheeler truck coming right at us. And I didn't see it. My wife didn't see it. I just know I was going this way, and all of a sudden, I kid you not... This isn't, I didn't see it. I couldn't have physically moved it. I didn't even know it was there. I was merging in, just moving into the highway with my flicker on. I felt an unseen hand just move our vehicle. And we like, without me, I was moving this way with my steering wheel. And all of a sudden we were going the other way. And then I was like, what the heck? And then I saw there was a massive 18-wheeler that would have clipped me. And I think our child was in the back. I think he was born at that time. And we, it wouldn't have been good. We would have, we would have been uh, pancaked. There's was a massive truck and we didn't, have a, we didn't have a big car at the time. We would have been pancaked. Who knows what would have happened. But an angel was there to guard me and keep me in all my ways. My mentor, I've told this story before, Evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth is in India preaching. And as he's preaching, uh, I think the windows were open, so there was like these extremists from another religion that were outside the meeting area, and they were listening to him preach with a translator, and they got ticked off. So one of them got came in with a machete in hand and was marching towards the front of the altar, and they were he had, he was going to kill him, he was going to stab him, and Evangelist Tiff was preaching, and he was like having this conversation before the Lord because he saw the man charging him. He said, "Lord, what do I do? Do you want me to stop the service?" And because he says, "I'm from West Virginia, you know, I'm ready to die for the gospel, but you're going to have to earn it." He wasn't just going to like lie down and play dead. So he asked the Lord, "Lord, should I deal with this?" And the Lord spoke to him, said, "Take, just keep preaching. I'll take care of them." As the man with the machete gets closer, about five feet out, he said, "I was looking at him, and it was like an, an invisible being with a Louisville Slugger baseball bat just knocked the guy straight in the chest, and he fell to his ground to the ground unconscious." A couple of minutes later, one of his friends came back, came in with a machete in hand. And saw the guy on the floor, and got ticked. Was gonna? They thought he had like physically uh, abused the guy, or like that he had physically beat the guy up. So he came charging, ready to do the same as his first friend had attempted to do. Same thing, Louisville slugger straight to the chest, falls to the ground. Third guy, same thing. The fourth guy walks in, sees three bodies compiled, and then says, you know what, I'm going to take a seat. He sat at the back of the altar, came to the Lord at the end of the meeting, saw that there was a supernatural power at work. I believe those were the angels of the Lord. The angels of the Lord specifically assigned to protect evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth while he was on a mission to win the loss overseas. The angels of the Lord are sent forth to minister, to help, to assist those who shall inherit salvation. And so because angels are assigned to help those that are going to inherit salvation, those that are going to be saved, they also go with those that are doing the work of getting those men saved, those women saved. Genesis 18, Lot is in Sodom, and those men want to come and rape his daughters, and the Bible says that angels came and blinded the men that wanted to rape his daughters, and he led Lot, they led Lot out safely from the city, so those angels supernaturally protected, preserved, and then rendered judgment on Lot's enemies. 2 Kings chapter 6, I talked about it at the beginning of the broadcast. Elisha has an army sent against him to kill him, to bring him back to the king of Assyria to, to, to face his judgment. But the Bible says that the angels of the Lord were around Elisha. Then Elisha says, Father, I pray, strike these men with blindness. The angels struck them with blindness so that they couldn't recognize Elisha. And Elisha was delivered that day, protected that day. Wasn't given over into the hands of his enemies. Think of all the times. I mean, make this practical. Think of all the times that you should have died. Think of all the times you should have been, you should have been in an obituary. Think of all the times that they should have had your funeral. Think of all the accidents that you've evaded. Think of all the times that, that um, you've been in a near-death situation. Or a time where you, you were facing imminent danger. And all of a sudden... Without any human explanation, something happened where you didn't have to suffer any of the pu- punishment or the consequences of anything. Accidents that you came out without a scratch. I have my uncle that was—he's uh, he, an electrician. He was like one day he was dealing with some sort of like oxygen tank or something like that. I don't know what it was—a gas tank—and the little pin on on the nozzle ended up flying off, and the pressure of the tank shot it so that it started to like bing, bing, bing all around his shot. And that little piece ended up going right through his neck. And he was on the floor, like hardly being able to breathe. They got him to a hospital, stitched him up. He, I remember he had like a little tube in his in his, in his neck for quite a while. But he, he ended up making it and he's fine today. He's still living today. The doctors told him that had that little pin been a quarter like a fraction of an inch more to the right it would have gone to his main through his main juggler and the ambulance wouldn't have been there in time he would have absolutely died in his shop on that floor and bled to death you know when David said Goliath, uh, to Goliath this You know, I come to you in the name of the Lords of Heaven's armies. And he had that sling in his hand. And he launched that sling. I believe the Lord, the angel of the Lord, directed it right to Goliath's head. Well, if the angel of the Lord can direct it right to Goliath's head, I believe the angel of the Lord also prevented that little piece of metal or whatever it was from entering into my uncle's jugular and ending his life right there. I really believe that. my, my, My wife's cousin was... Helping his dad once, cutting trees with uh, one of those like chainsaws. And they had him on a ladder and he was charged with holding the ladder. The, I don't know what happened, a strong wind or something. He lost balance. He dropped the chainsaw and his his son was right under it. The chainsaw comes right down. He doesn't even see it. And it ends up like cutting his arm open and he has this massive scar to this day. I strongly believe that that was actually end going right for his head and the angel of the Lord directed it elsewhere. I mean, you got to think and start to appreciate all the times, the deaths that you should have died, but some unseen invisible force ended up securing you and protecting you. Angels are assigned to protect. Angels form an impenetrable hedge of protection around every covenant son and daughter, which makes them untouchable. You're untouchable because of the heavy... Guardians and covering of angels that are surrounding you round about. Remember, Job had a hedge, but because he couldn't see the hedge, he feared the attack. That's why I'm taking time to talk about angels and specifically their assignment to protect you because you got to start to confess the hedge. You got to learn to start to, to confess what the Bible has made available to you. I'm heavily guarded, I'm heavily protected. I can't just go at any time. I got the angels of God. I have innumerable innumerable hosts of heavenly angels and hosts that are surrounding me, that are keeping me and guarding me, lest I even dash my foot against a stone. Job couldn't see the hedge. And as a result, he suffered because of fear. Fear opened up the gateway for the enemy to come in. I pray today you'll see and learn to appreciate and learn to confess no matter what's going on in this world, no evil shall befall me, for he's given his angels charge concerning me. The angel of the Lord surrounds me. I have heavenly agents by my side that have a commandment from God's very own mouth to make sure I come out without a scratch, lest I even dash my foot against a stone. Number four, angels are tasked as messengers. One of their ministries is to convey information from God to mankind. Daniel received messages from from Gabriel in Daniel chapter 9 and 10. The angel Gabriel delivered messages to Zacharias, to Mary. The law itself, the old Pentateuch, was delivered by the hands of angels. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, 53, the law received by the hands of angels. Angels are constantly interpreting dreams and interpreting visions in the entirety of the Bible, specifically Zechariah 4, verse 1, 5, 5, 6, 5. They informed the shepherds of the location of Jesus' birth. Angels informed Joseph of uh, Herod and his his plan to kill every child under two. The angel brought a message saying, don't go into Jerusalem. Go actually to Egypt. And uh, stay stay there as sojourners for a couple of years until every all, all this stuff blows over. And then when the years when Herod ended up dying, the same angel came back to Joseph and said, Go back into Israel. For all who sought the child's life are now dead. Angels played a huge part in Jesus' life and ministry, and his death and his his resurrection and his ascension. You always see the presence of angels. You see the angel announcing to Mary. Uh, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and that shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of the Most High, and you shall call His name Jesus, for you shall save his people from their sins. They announced the arrival of the Messiah. Then, when the birth of the Messiah came, the angels announced to the shepherds in the field that there is this day born in, in, in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord, who is Messiah, and they guided the, the shepherds exactly to the manger to, uh, to where Jesus was laid in a swaddling cloth, in a manger. Then you see the angels in the temptation of Jesus after he had been tempted and fasted in 40 40 days. The Bible says angels came to minister to him and he was with the beast. Angels came to minister to Jesus after his temptation, after his fasting and his prayers. You see angels in the garden of Gethsemane as he's praying and he's being in agony and he's starting to sweat drops of blood that... um, the Bible says angels came and strengthened Jesus, encouraged Jesus, gave him power to keep on moving. Then you see angels in the ascension of Christ. I, forget that. You see angels in the resurrection of Christ. When uh, Mary came to see the tomb, the Bible says there was a great earthquake and the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled the stone away from the tomb. And the Bible says he sat on the stone and, he, and Mary came and said, are you the gardener? Where is my Where is my Lord? and the angel replied, uh, "Why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? He's not dead, he's living." Literally, the angel, that angel had a, a real privilege being the first person to ever tell a human being, Jesus Christ lives. He had the privilege of announcing the resurrection of Christ to a wo- to, to a woman, to the people that were at the tomb. Then you see the angels at the ascension of Christ as he's taken the two men standing in white, looking at the men of Galilee, the disciples, straining their eyes to heaven. And he said, Why seek ye, why, why strain your eyes looking up into heaven? This same Jesus whom you've seen go will, will, will one, it one day come again in like manner as you've seen him go. So you see, the angels are constantly mentioned throughout the whole life, ministry, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. They're integral to the gospel. They're, they were heavily used as messengers. To deliver specific words of instruction uh, that were for the benefit of the people. Number five, angels are instruments of justice. This is one of my favorites. You know, in 2 Chronicles 32, you have Sennacherib that comes to um, destroy Judah and the inhabitants of Judah. And Hezekiah begins to encourage the people saying, don't be afraid, there's more for us than there are against us. With them is the arm of flesh, but with us is the arm of God who helps us to fight our battles. And then Sennacherib said, what confidence is this which you trust? Just surrender yourself. Nobody's able to deliver you. Hezekiah and the people of Judah stood their ground. What happened? God released one angel. And in with one angel, he destroyed, killed 185,000 of the choice soldiers of the Assyrian army so that Sennacherib went back to his own home, his own abode, his own kingdom, shamefaced, and uh, his own kids killed him after that. But one angel was sent from heaven and inflicted such judgment and damage on the enemy so that an entire army by the hands of one angel was eradicated and destroyed. You see it in 1 Chronicles 21, 14 and 15. David sins against the Lord. God gives him three options on what his punishment will be. He chooses, Lord, i rather suffer from your hand at least you're merciful. For three days, one angel was sent against Israel and thousands upon thousands died by the hands of one angel until the Lord said, stay now thy hand, it is enough. Exodus 12, it was an angel of the Lord, the destroyer angel, the Bible says, went throughout all of Egypt, striking the firstborn. So not all angels play harps. Not all angels are, you know, Look like those, uh, like Cupid, with little bows and arrows flying around heaven. Not all angels are, are are nice, you know, joyful, jolly angels. Some of them have tattoos. No, I'm kidding, but some of them are, are rough. They're called destroyer angels. Psalm 35. Listen to this. Psalm 35, verses five and six. Let them be like chaff before the wind. Let me start with verse four. Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek my life. Let those be turned back and brought to confusion who plot my hurt. Let them be like chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. Let destruction come on them unexpectedly and let his net, which he's hidden, catch himself into that very destruction. Let him fall. So the Bible says that the angel of the Lord uh, pursues God's pe- uh, the, the enemies of God's people and pursues them with one, one purpose in mind, to bring destruction swiftly and unexpectedly on them, to let them be like chaff before the wind, to be driven away. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 12, Herod killed James, the brother of John, and then proceeded to kill and destroy Peter, and the Bible says that night Peter is delivered and then not too long after Herod is given an oration and the people are saying the voice of a God. They're thinking Herod is God. They're crediting Herod with the power of God and the authority of God and he refused to give glory to God. The Bible says one angel came and struck Herod with worms. Obviously the release of judgment for what he did for James and what he did for Peter and what he was about to do to Peter. One angel struck the king Herod and, and wiped him off, wiped his name off the face of the earth. So angels are instruments of God's justice, God's judgment. Matthew 13, the Bible says that the angels are going to gather all the chaff and all those things that offend and will burn them in unquenchable fire. Hallelujah. Number six, angels are used to provide food and water. Elijah, after he fled Jezebel, is just lying. By the way, if you hear my son, it's because he's in the other room right now and he's he's acting like a nutcase. I love him Elijah is um, is by the by the way and he's, he's he's like starving and the Bible says an angel came to him and made a cake for him and gave him water supernaturally provided angels can bring supernatural provision to you today if you're believing God to to for provision, you're believing God. You're in like a tight place financially. You know they're harvest angels. You've sowed financially. You've sowed into the work of the gospel. Well, angels are tasked with the harvest of bringing in the har uh, with the, the task or the assignment of bringing in the harvest for the things that you've you've sown. Hallelujah. George Mueller, who was a man of God back in the day, many he cared for orphans, had an orphanage and all that. Many times they had no food, and all the supernaturally food showed up at the door. I have a friend, his, his they they were growing up, father was an evangelist overseas, they had no money, and he he uh, he said my mother, and, and I think it was him his sister and his mother at home, had nothing to eat, and she just, his mother just, let's sit down, prepare the table, so they prepared the table and all that, nothing to eat, nothing in the fridge they sat down and prayed, as they were praying a knock comes on the door and uh, she opens up the door, and it's just some random person with a bunch of uh, with like four hundred dollars U.S. dollars, this is back in the day, and said the Lord told me to give this to you. Here you go, and then walked away. She she turned around to rejoice with the kids because this was like a miracle, you know, an immediate miracle. When she turned back, there was nobody there. I mean, you make whatever you want with it, but I believe that was an angel of God that was sent to to provide. She went she went out and bought steaks that day. They had gro- groceries for for weeks. I mean. Four hundred dollars in the '80s brought you a lot of money. brought you a lot of bought you a lot of stuff. When human resources fail, God can use angels to bring relief. Number seven, they're God's warriors. I talked about that. Seneca's army deleted by one angel. Second Kings six, the whole camp of Assyria deleted by by the host of angels. Number eight, they bring heavenly encouragement. Acts chapter 27. The angel said to Paul, "Be of good cheer." Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was was, uh, was in agony, knowing what was about to happen, the crucifixion to take place, and he was about to bear the, the entire sin of humanity on himself. The Bible says, while he was in agony, the angels came and ministered unto him and strengthened him. Angels can bring encouragement to people. How do you activate these angels? There's only one way to do it by faith. By faith. Faith is not just acknowledging God's word, it's not just knowing the information. Faith is acting on it. You can dispatch holy angels into your situation today by releasing it through the words of your mouth. Remember, Jesus said, don't you think I cannot now pray my father and he'll give me more than 12 legions? So angels don't automatically come on the scene. There has to be a vocal command. Remember, bless the Lord, you his angels, you ministers of his who do his word. God's word in his mouth is just as powerful as God's word in your mouth. And so when you speak the word of God, when you start to declare what the angels have been assigned to do for you, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. When you speak his word, the angels come on the scene to bring to pass, to perform the counsel of his word. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 46, concerning the work of my hands, con- command ye me. God's saying, concerning the work of my hands, angels are the work of his hands. And it says, command ye me. So you can actually command your angels, you can actually dispatch your angels. If you need supernatural provision, you've been sowing into the kingdom, and your harvest hasn't come, and your deadline's coming up, you can say, Father, I pray, dispatch your holy angels, your harvest angels. You said, given it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, falling over into your lap. I haven't seen that yet. I know your angels have an assignment to, to fulfill that word. I pray, dispatch angels that would rebuke the devourer to bring in the harvest That's that's been owed to the seed that I've sown. If you're believing God for protection, you know, Bishop Deppel said one time he was traveling and he was about to cross a road and a, a very narrow bridge. And without, I don't know if it was foggy or whatnot, but without any warning, a massive truck was coming on the same bridge and they had nowhere to turn. No, They weren't going to turn the car off the bridge. So all they said was, Father, you're angels. And instantly... They just found themselves on the other side. of. He said, I don't know how we got there, but there was not room for two of us and we got there. And that, that vehicle, that truck was charging head on and fast. And I don't know how we got there, but we got to the other side. That was a supernatural manifestation of the ministry of angels, which I started this broadcast off with by saying, and I'm going to end it by saying it. They are ministering spirits, helping spirits, Sent forth to help us who have become heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. You need to learn to put your angels to work. Don't just learn about the existence of angels in your prayer time. Start to thank God that you have angels all around you. Start to thank God that your that angelic assistance is being dispatched. That whatever Warfare is happening in the heavenlies that's been blocking the answer to my prayer. I thank you, Father, that you're releasing heavenly reinforcements. You know, I didn't get into it today, but one of the chief principal missions of angels is to, uh, if there's any opposition or if there's anything blocking the answer to your prayer, as was in the days of Daniel, he was praying, but for 21 days, the Bible says the demon prince over Persia He was hindering Gabriel from bringing the answer of his prayer. So what did he do? He prayed and fasted. As he prayed and fasted, heaven sent Michael to clear up the way. And then the answer came quickly. So that's another way. Not only by the words you speak, when you pray and you fast, fasting actually releases reinforcements in the heavenlies to wage war against anything that would try to prevent the answer of your prayers from coming from being fulfilled hallelujah if you've been praying for something that's clearly in god's word and you haven't seen it come to pass go on a prayer go go on a praying fast go and pray and fast for three days and see how quickly you'll receive an answer to your prayer perhaps there's just been demonic hindrances demonic principalities and powers that have set themselves array against the fulfillment of what you've been praying against and as you pray and fast now and dispatch heavenly assistance you'll see all of that gunk that's been cl- clogging the pipeline of your answered prayers will be cleared out acts like a spiritual plumbing and you'll see how quickly things turn for you father i pray today as your word's gone out Lord, not for the purpose of exalting angels, not for the purpose of worshiping angels. We, we're not doing that. But Father, I pray that eyes have been opened today to see the extreme usefulness of your holy angels. In Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord, if there's anyone watching right now that's in a, a tight situation, a lion's den situation, a burning fiery furnace situation, a shipwrecked type of situation that all hope has finally been given up, I ask you, Lord, send your divine intervention angels send forth heavenly reinforcements oh God not only to encourage them to say everything's going to be all right but Father to bring a supernatural turnaround in their situation in the name of Jesus Christ I pray Father those that need encouragement in their heart let angels come and minister to them right now Father those that need help for direction I ask you Lord that they'd have angelic Manifestations that would deliver them specific instructions to know the way out. Lord, we know that your angels have been sent forth to help us and not to hinder us. I ask you, Lord, that from today, by your Spirit, that you would, by the discerning of spirits particularly, open up people's eyes. Those that have been, I feel a strong word for this, those who have been discouraged, feeling hopeless and lonely by the discerning of spirits, even as Elisha Elijah prayed for his servant, I pray, Father, open up their eyes right now to see that there are more for us than there are against us. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that a supernatural confidence would come on them even now to know that no matter where they're at, that they're surrounded supernaturally by the heavenly host in Jesus' mighty name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Open their eyes to be aware to the reality of angels. Instead of people always complaining and always fixated on the presence of demons all around them, I pray, Lord, raise up a generation of people that are fixated and focused on the presence and the reality of angels all around us. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I pray right now. If you're in a jam. That within 24 hours. You'll see the invisible hands. Of the angels of the Lord coming to your rescue. In Jesus name. He del- the Bible says he, he encamps around those that fear him. And delivers them out of all their trouble. Every trouble that you're facing right now. I prophesy in Jesus name through the ministry of angels. You are supernaturally delivered from that trouble. Secured from it. By the angels of the Lord. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. For everyone that's watching right now. If you would, before I move on, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus Christ, you can't benefit of the ministry of angels. The Bible says they are ministers on behalf of those who will inherit salvation. Only the redeemed can take, uh, can benefit from the ministry of angels. Only the redeemed can take advantage of the ministry of angels. The only way you can get redeemed, the Bible says, no man could at any time redeem his own soul. The redemption of our soul was too costly. The scripture says, he who covers his sin will never be redeemed, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sin will be redeemed, will find mercy. I don't care if you're the worst sinner in all the world, I'm your best friend, because I'm introducing you to Jesus today. If you've fallen away, you're not living for God anymore, now's your time to come home. Like the prodigal son, reason with yourself today. Lift up your eyes. Do like the prodigal son said. I will return to my father. And he's not going to meet you with a ruler and a beating stick. He's going to meet you with grace and with mercy. Religion, religion brings stones. Jesus brings grace. God's not angry at you. He's being patient towards you. Not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. All come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have, but you've fallen away and you'd like to recommit your life to Christ, rededicate yourself. Today's your day. I want you... Not because this prayer, is, this prayer does not save by itself. But if you'll pray this prayer with sincerity of heart and you truly mean it. And you believe in your heart God raised Jesus from the dead and confess your, with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says you will be saved. So if you really mean business with God today, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess Jesus is my Lord. I turn to you. Forgive me of my sin where I was weak. Make me strong. Strengthen me, not by might, but by your spirit. I thank you that the old has passed away. And today, everything becomes new. I'm born again. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I'm never turning back. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to get in contact with me. salvationl.ca. First link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. I want to hear from you. At the bottom of that page, there's a video I made specifically for you. Four things every Christian must know. Four basic practices for every Christian. It's going to greatly help you and assist you. Be sure to check that out. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.